Well, it is time to move into our scripture reading and teaching time as we continue our, our sermon series through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and, and the Beatitudes. And so we've got Pastor Daryl joining us today uh, to, to um, teach on Blessed are the peacemakers, so that's going to be awesome. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we'll be in the first 12 verses. Uh, and so next thing you're going to see is our scripture reading video. And then after that, Daryl will, will bring his teaching for us. I'm reading from Matthew 5. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And this is the word of the Lord. Good morning, South Langley Church. It is indeed a joy and a privilege to be able to be together with you this morning and to bring the word. It's been a, quite a number of weeks since I've had this privilege, so uh, thank you. We are continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Jesus' statement in the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, verse 9 where uh, he says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. Now, you may know it better in the NIV version, as I do, simply as blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Have you ever been a peacemaker? Well, I made an attempt. It was way back in grade 8, and it was guitar class. The teacher was late. And a friend of mine was getting into a verbal altercation with another student, and I could see that this was quickly going to escalate beyond more than just words. And so I sprang into action. I slipped on my superhero costume, and I jumped between them, and I said, hey, hold on just a minute. How about a little peace here? Okay, maybe that's not quite how it unfolded. Uh, I did jump into action but it was to run down the hall to the principal's office where I reported what was going on in the classroom. Unfortunately, what I didn't know was that a fellow student had seen me, knew what I had done, and told this other student who was picking on my friend uh, that I had squealed. And uh, he was waiting for me in the alley after school. And on the way home, uh, he jumped me from behind, knocked me down, and began to uh, beat on the back of my head. I learned that day that blessed are the peacemakers is maybe not always what it's made out to be. And that's just my little story. We look around in our world today 
and we see war-torn countries, and we see government conspiracies, we see families in conflict, broken marriages, even church splits. People want peace, but it seems so elusive. Is peace even possible? Historians tell us that uh, over the 4,000 years of recorded history, there have been less than 300 years without a major war or conflict. Will there ever be peace? Well, there was. In the beginning, God created, and there was peace in the garden for a short while. And then, of course, we know what happened. Cain, or Adam and Eve sinned, and uh, they broke that peace. Then Cain killed his brother Abel. And then we get to chapter 6 of Genesis, and we have this very interesting statement that God makes where He declares, the whole earth is corrupt and full of violence. And this is just six chapters into our Bible. The whole world, the whole earth is corrupt and full of violence. Where is the peace? Where is God in all of this? Well, I need to say right up front that God has always had a heart for peace. Listen to just one verse that He gave to His chosen people Israel from Isaiah. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. What is this peace? Well, a discussion on biblical peace cannot be had without talking about the Old Testament concept of shalom, which is the word we translate as peace. When Jews greeted one another, or when they said goodbye using the word shalom, it meant a whole lot more than a flippant peace out. The word shalom in the Hebrew is actually a deep, rich word with a lot of meaning. It actually goes far beyond simply the absence of war or conflict. Shalom brings the idea of the presence of something special, a filling, a wholeness, a fullness, a completeness. Amazing words. So to the Jews, when they said shalom, it meant you were wishing on someone the full presence, peace, and prosperity of the blessedness of God. In short, Shalom is a word used to describe a deep relationship of, of love with God and another. It represents a full and restored life where everything is right between God and the world. God's kingdom is to be a place of shalom, and we are invited to join Him in bringing shalom to the world. And I think this is the concept of peace. Jesus has in mind when He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why can He say a statement like this? Because Jesus Himself is the ultimate peacemaker. Now, when Jesus used the word peacemaker, it would not have gone unnoticed among His listeners sitting on the side of that hillside. They immediately would have thought of their history, filled with bloodshed and war violence, and particularly the past 400 years, that period between the Old and the New Testament, where God 
had not spoken. He was silent. In fact, during that period of time, there had been five major wars fought over the city of Jerusalem alone. Do you suppose blessed are the peacemakers would have sounded a little bit like blasphemy to these Jews? After all, wasn't the Messiah supposed to rescue them from Roman oppression and poverty? They were expecting a king who would conquer their enemy, but instead they hear, blessed are the peacemakers. As the model peacemaker, we have to recognize Jesus did say some radical things like, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. In fact, Jesus' entire life, death, and resurrection embodies the full picture of what it means to be a peacemaker. He didn't fight, retaliate, defend himself, or try to get even. He lived the way of peace. One writer has said it this way, the messianic prediction said that he would be the prince of peace. The angels announced his birth by singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Jesus' persistent word of forgiveness to sinners was, go in peace. Just before he was crucified, Jesus' last will and testament was, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And when the Lord returned after the resurrection, his first words to his disciples was, shalom, peace be with you. So there can be no doubt that Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. So what does he mean by the phrase, blessed are the peacemakers? Well, you English majors will have noticed that this is a compound word. Two words put together to form one word. Peace, as we've already defined, as the shalom presence of God at work in the world, and maker, which is an action or a doing word. Jesus is inviting these listeners to join him in the kingdom work of bringing peace to the world, of being active change agents for God's glory. This requires rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty, and not avoiding conflict, but actually stepping into it. It's also helpful to notice that Jesus does not say, blessed are those who desire, yearn for, long for, hope for, or even wish for peace. Nor does he say, blessed are those who have a disposition toward or give the appearance of peace or who are peace breakers. To put it simply, it's not blessed are the peace fakers, the peace takers, or the peace breakers. Jesus simply, straightforward, says, blessed are the peace makers. Now, we can talk more about these other three definitions in our foyer time after the service, so I invite you to stick around and uh, we can throw that one around a little bit and see where we go with it. Well, for those of us with some Mennonite Brethren heritage, which is the denomination that our church is associated with, you will by now be resonating with Jesus' call to peacemaking because it is one of our core Anabaptist confessions. In fact, 
Our MB peace position flows out of Jesus' teaching and his life. Here's how part of the confession reads. We seek to be agents of reconciliation in all relationships, to practice love of enemies as taught by Christ, to be peacemakers in all situations. We view violence in its many different forms as contradictory to the new nature of the Christian. We believe that the evil and inhumane nature of violence is contrary to the gospel of love and peace. For hundreds of years, our denomination has been known for its stand against violence and injustice. We have raised our voices through practical acts of peacemaking and reconciliation. Now, we could spend the rest of our time this morning talking about that, about the impact that that's had around the world, and even about how we practically should live that out. But unfortunately, we don't have time to dig in too deeply this morning, and so I can promise you that we will come back to this concept at the end of Matthew uh, in a few weeks, and Pastor Dave will unpack that a little bit more, so stay tuned for that. What we can say is that the call to peacemaking is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus made it on the side of the hillside. It's God's call for us to get involved. And I believe that this call involves two key components. We are called into the gospel of peace, and we are called to a ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean to be called into the gospel of peace? Well, just as Jesus came announcing the good news of the kingdom of God, we as his followers have been given the commission to take this message of the good news of the gospel to a lost world. Now, can you see a potential contradiction to this message if we are in conflict rather than at peace with God and other human beings? And that's why I appreciate the Anabaptist peace position so much because it's a call to action. It's a call to step into the mess, to get involved. And Paul picks up this theme of peacemaking in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, where he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Our, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. In a nutshell, the good news of peace is that when Christ died and shed his blood for sin, two types of hostility were overcome. The hostility between God and humanity was brought to an end, and the hostility between races was also ended. Christ became our peace, and he invites us to join him on this mission of bringing the gospel of peace to the world. In fact, this is the message that Jesus preached right from the beginning of his ministry. And we've heard this a number of times in this series. Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, where Jesus says, Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his core message. So I ask you this morning, do you know the peacemaker? To know him involves believing Jesus is the Son of God who willingly gave his life on a cross to take the payment for your sins. It means that you have confessed your sin and have repented of your selfish ways. And then it requires total surrender of your entire being to obedience, to walking with Christ and following his commands. If you have done this, Jesus calls you a peacemaker in God's kingdom. If you have not taken this first step, why not today? But there's a second part to our calling as peacemakers. We are called to a ministry of reconciliation. And this is where things can get messy. Peacemaking and reconciliation are almost synonymous. You can't have one without the other. And did you catch the word reconciled in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16? Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. To be reconciled means to be bringing something or someone together, to make that re relationship right. And Jesus' call to peacemaking involves the proclamation of the gospel, which is being made right with God, but it also involves the, the healing of broken relationships. And that's why I suggested that this is the messy part. Now, there's a beautiful example of this type of healing relationship between the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, in Genesis. By Jewish tradition, Esau should have received the larger portion of the inheritance because he was the firstborn. He was entitled to the birthright. But through a series of lies and deception, Jacob steals the birthright from Esau and receives the blessing from his father that was entitled for Esau. And as you can imagine, this created a huge rift in their relationship, and Jacob ends up fleeing for his life. Many years later, the brothers are about to meet for the first time since that deception took place. And Genesis 33 records it this way. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. What a beautiful reconciliation moment. And what I find especially interesting in this part of the story is that it appears to be Esau who initiates the reconciliation, even though he's the one that was wronged. That's what peacemakers do. They step into the mess. In our own MB history, uh, we have had many such reconciliation moments. And I want to just share one more recent one that took place in March of 2014. A number of Anabaptist leaders met together for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings in Edmonton, Alberta. And this was in regards to attempt to bring healing in relationships with indigenous people. Let me read just a portion of the statement that came out of this. 
We repent of our denominational encounters with indigenous peoples that at times may have been motivated more by cultural biases than by the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. We repent of our failure to advocate for marginalized indigenous peoples as our faith would instruct us to. We will seek to model the reconciling life and work of Jesus in seeking reconciliation with you. What a practical example of blessed are the peacemakers. And I have to say, I'm very proud to be part of a denomination that would be willing to humble themselves in this manner. And as a Christian and a member of our MB conference, I need to ask myself, who do I have biases towards? The pastoral commentary section of this portion of our Confession of Faith says this, peace and reconciliation is driven by a love that knows no social or cultural conditions or limitations. It includes all people, minorities, people of color, the poor, the aged, the physically and mentally challenged, and so on. What biases is Jesus asking you to lay down today? It also needs to be said that not all attempts at peacemaking or reconciliation go well, as I discovered back in grade 8. But that should not stop us from stepping in. And I think that's why J uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, these words, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In the New International Version, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is easier than it sounds. No, our human nature usually goes the other direction. But regardless of our fears, regardless of what we think may be an outcome, we are called to step into the mess. We are called to engage, to be active peacemakers. Let's do our part. So, how do we respond? As we've been learning in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not about simply changing our behavior or striving to be more like the people Jesus describes in the Beatitudes. Rather, it's about intentionally living in the kingdom of God precisely because we have received God's blessing. Jesus calls those who are peacemakers blessed because they are already living the cultural, countercultural lifestyle. They get it. They are stepping in and doing something. So practically speaking for us today, if our lives have been radically transformed by the life of Jesus, peacemaking must first and foremost begin in our own homes and families. Is there peace in your home? And secondly, peace must extend to our neighbors as well as into the community. And that would include places of work, education, and recreation. And then finally, peacemaking must also be evident in our own church, even during this COVID time of physically distancing, being apart. Is South Langley Church known 
as a peacemaking body of believers. The challenge is for us to live as peacemakers, and those who do are called children of God. That's how this beatitude ends. And to be a child of God means we have His DNA in us. When we bring peace to others, we are reflecting His very nature. And we participate in kingdom building. Is that your desire? The best summary that I can think of this comes from Jesus' own brother, James, who writes these words. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Are you planting seeds of peace? We are a kingdom people called to be shalom bringers to a hurting and broken world. As children of God, there is nothing so noble as being a peacemaker wherever he calls us. May our love for God and for others motivate us to obey Jesus' call to be peacemakers. Amen. I'd like to leave you with a few reflection questions that you can uh, talk through amongst yourself and your families or wrestle them through individually. Of course, if you're meeting with your life group this week, uh, it'd be good to work through those as well. And then I'll invite you to stay tuned for the foyer in a few minutes after the service, and we will uh, uh, tackle some of those questions as well. Question one, is my life a testimony of the gospel of peace? If so, who in my sphere of influence can I impact with this good news? We all have people around us that we can be impacting with this good news of peace. Second question, what do I find most difficult about shalom bringing, peacemaking, and why do I find that so difficult? We've said it's not easy, but we're called to it. Question number three, where might God be calling me to actively step into and initiate peace and reconciliation like Esau did with Jacob? That's the messy part. Are you willing to take that first step? And then the fourth question, what are some ways that I tend to ignore the call to peacemaking? And let's be real honest. We all do. I tend to ignore those opportunities that are around me. God calls us to step in. So I invite you to wrestle through those and, uh, and work on those this week. Just before uh, Dave comes to lead us in communion, I'd like to close with a benediction uh, by reading a very, fairly familiar prayer attributed to St. Francis of Assisi and often called the Peace Prayer. And I just invite you to join with me as we pray this benediction together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Let's be peacemakers this week wherever God calls us to go. Amen.